Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Tuesday, December 4th, 2018, and you know what that means. It's time to get nerdy, y'all. Welcome to episode number 83 of Two Nerds in a Pod, the nerdiest gaming podcast in the galaxy. I'm Lom, also known as Mr. Nice Guy, and I've got my comrade in gaming commentary here with me, the miggity 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 Mac, also known as Maction. Mac, what's good, buddy? How are things, man? So many things are good, and so, I mean, bah, where to even start? It's been an awesome, crazy, and exciting week, sort of all at the same time. That sounds um, like a type of week where you have some stories to share. I do with, have with a couple. adjectives like that. Let's hear it. I do. Okay, so uh, let's start with one really cool thing. Uh, so as you know, I like the game Chasm. Yes. I really do. Uh, and I also happen to be, you know, happened... This is past tense. There's a D on the end of there to have uh, records, you know, world records and speedrunning that thing. But I have recently had um, a couple of people take that from me, which is actually cause for joy. Because let's face it, as much as I love Chasm, it's delightful that somebody takes it from me. And I've even, you know, interacted with some of these uh, these speedrunners who are, you know, uh, speedrunners in a way that I am just not. Uh, and uh, I'm just thrilled to see some more people take an interest in the game because I think it's great and enjoyable and fun to play. So uh, uh, I posted my speedruns up with, uh, you know, just a little bit over two hours, and then there were some uh, some improvements that were made, got down probably all the way to about an hour and 20 minutes or so. Um, a lot of that had to do with, like, new stuff uh, features that the game had like for example uh, back when I put up those times it was near the beginning of the release uh, of the game so you know a few months back and like the game didn't have class systems or class progressions okay Uh, whereas class progressions now in it there's a class that actually has 10% faster move speed so that's you know oh that's totally a game changer yeah totally a game changer and then also you know has like normally you would start at a luck of like seven and end game you'd get to like a luck of 20 in chasm or thereabouts uh now there's one class that luck starts it's the same class that has the speed buff the luck starts at 50 so a five times increase in drop rates and everything in addition to 10 percent faster speed it's a it total game changer so Anyway, with those changes, a couple of people have kind of latched on. They've been like, oh, let's beat this. So I don't feel so bad about having my record, you know, taken because, I mean, I mean, it would have been so easy with that stuff. But at the same time, uh, whatever sort of pride I might have had around having world record is really sort of, uh, you know, uh, not really important because it's more like, hey, I've got friends to do it with now. Yeah, yeah, you um, got some competition. Yeah, there's this uh, there's this delightful song by Jonathan Colton called Nemesis, and there's this line in the chorus that says, "Could it be that?" And you know, it's one person talking to their nemesis, and they're like, "We're each other's nemesis," and they're like, "Could it be that you need me to push you out to run you faster?" And it's just like, that's what I feel. I'm like, yeah, I've got some people. You know, we're going to push each other. We're going to have some fun. It's going to be some healthy competition. So it's I'm almost fun. not to not to get too off topic, but isn't there a scene in The Dark Knight that's kind of like that where Joker says something like, you can't exist without me to Batman or something? I could be totally off on that. Do you want to know how I got these scars? <laughs> that's a pretty good impression. Oh, well, no, thanks. man, I'm glad you got some speed running buddies now. Uh, Now, anything else interesting you want to share with the people? If not, that's totally cool. Uh, Yes, but why don't I let you share something interesting, and then we come back to me. Dude, so my big news is that a week from tomorrow, which is December 12th, is the day that my special that I recorded, my comedy special, will release. And it's going to be called The First Option uh, on Dry Bar Comedy. Oh, that's a perfect title for it. It it is, and when people watch it, they'll know why. So... Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm pretty excited, man. I watched the rough cut. I may have said this last week, but I, my wife and I watched the rough cut. Uh, and it's funny because the first time I watched it, I was like, Ugh, I don't know how I feel about this. Um, but then I watched it again and I thought, no, you know what? This turned out you know, just exactly uh, how I wanted it to. So um, it's a bunch of jokes that are now retired and I've been writing. I've been performing, trying to do mics as much as possible, uh, get new a new arsenal for when that comes out. Arsenal of jokes. Uh, so yeah, man, life is good. I'm pretty excited for that. That is 
huge news. Many of us have been waiting for this for a little while, so I am thrilled. This is the best Christmas present you could have ever given me. Oh, that means a lot, Mac. Now, what about a Nintendo Switch? That would have been a better Christmas present. Uh, well, as long as you pay for it and all the games and all the stuff so I don't actually wind up giving any money to Nintendo, I think I could be okay with it. <laughs> Because you're anti anti them right now, right? Yeah, and I don't know if they are. If I don't know if it's going to be possible for them to get back on my good graces, but you know, oh boy. we'll 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 find out. Yeah, we'll find out. Well, cool. What other stories you got for the people before we jump into stuff? Well, so I do have one other interesting and quick one, and that is related to Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, as many of you know, I am a big fan of the tabletop RPGs. We are going to come back to this later in our kick or kickstart spoiler. But uh, that being said, uh, we've been playing Dungeons & Dragons each week with a local group, uh, people that I, for the most part, know, and Mrs. The Mac has been joining in, um, and uh, I was incredibly proud of her. She's not very much... I mean, I've got like a decade of experience in tabletop RPGs, but uh, there are some times where a fresh set of eyes, somebody who doesn't have quite as much experience, comes in and just does some really cool and awesome things. And uh, she's been making me crazy proud just because she's been having a good time playing D&D with myself and some other, you know, uh, old weathered gamers. Nice. I like that terminology, old weathered gamers. Like a fine wine. Get off my lawn. Seasoned gamers. That's the professional way of saying it, the polite way. Well, cool, Mac. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing. And, you know, we're eight minutes in. I say on that note, we do what we do best, my friend, and hop right into the gaming. Let's do it. Let's do it. Once again, for those of you who are here live on twitch.tv backslash two nerds in a pod, welcome to episode number 83 of Two Nerds in a Pod, the nerdiest gaming podcast in the galaxy. Mac, we're 83% of the way to 100 episodes. I'm excited. Well, we'll start with some gaming news. Uh, There's a lot of cool stuff happening this week. Uh, and you know, Mac, I was thinking we should do like our personal game of the year, um, for like our last episode of the year, just the best game we played this year, even if it doesn't release this year, we should talk about that at some point on the stream. I think, what do you think? I absolutely agree. Cool. Well, we'll have to do that. So, uh, let's talk about, there's a lot of gaming news. Um, let's talk about this one first. This is kind of a controversial one. And Mac, I know you're a big fan of the sports ball big fan of athletic stuff this one deals with that this is on ign.com it says former chiefs running back kareem hunt who has been suspended from the nfl after video emerged of him assaulting a 19 year old woman is also going to be removed entirely from ea sports madden 19 game Speaking with TMZ, an EA rep says, quote, We are in the process of removing Kareem Hunt from the Madden NFL 19 roster, Madden Overdrive, and Madden Ultimate Team. Once he's been removed, anyone with Hunt on their Ultimate Team will find that he's been replaced with a generic player who has identical stats to Hunt. It will surprise nobody that EA Sports was quicker to act here than the NFL was. <laughs> so, Mac, this is an issue that we haven't really tackled before. Um, I think it's pretty clear what happened. Real life person um who's a a professional athlete and obviously also in the video game for that reason committed a very very serious crime video evidence of that crime is available uh and now he's being removed from from the game because of it uh i mean we're not debating whether or not what he did was wrong what do you think about this whole move and being removed from the game Well, I'm not going to lie. I'm of two minds about it. On the one hand, uh, I do very often see video games as an art form. And with that being said, the sports games, as much as I am a fan of sports ball, I do not consider to be quite as highly of an art form as most of the others, particularly because the sports games, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's been my experience and my impression that the sports games do not tend to have the same uh, the same type of narrative um, that most other games. I agree, hundred percent, hundred percent agree. Um, and that being said, because it's not so much of a narrative-driven game, uh, because it's not a game that, in my opinion, games that tend to tell a story or even sort of capture, um, you know, uh, uh, capture a concept and convey it in a way unique to video games. Uh, what I can say about sports games is that they do tend to serve as somewhat of a snapshot 
of the sports scene at that moment in time. And if we throw our, our minds back to the old, you know, Sega Genesis and, and what was the game? NBA Jam. Um, that very much was a game that sort of captured some of the essence of what, what sports were like. So on the one hand, I'm kind of have this whole, well, should we have left him in because he was a part of the landscape when the game released? Um, because I mean, but then again, they do this day and age, and now I sound old again, they do plenty of updating of games to update rosters and things and change old things. So I mean, I guess they, sports games don't even really serve that much of a snapshot of sporting even currently, do they? Um, so I'm, I'm trying to understand the last part of what you said. Yeah, so... so um, do sports games, I mean, sport ga- sports games released in the fa- past, like, five years or so, do they tend to update their rosters as the game is continued to be played? If so, how long do they continue to update that? That's b- Because my thinking is I would feel some way about it if there was, say, like, if this were a way of describing, showcasing uh, sports ball history at this moment in time. But if they're already doing plenty of updates, maybe that's a little bit less. Yeah, so they. my understanding is, and I play a lot of these sports games, they only keep the roster updated for the year, first year the game is out, basically. Mm-hmm. And, and the rationale is the next year another version of the game comes out. So it's not really that much an ongoing thing. Now, as far as there being a story and there being a narrative, one thing I'll correct you on is that NBA 2K uh, now does have a My Career mode each year. And in that mode, there's typically a story that's narrated and that's voice acted and that is fictional, based on a fictional character. This issue with NFL with Madden is different in that they don't have that as far as I know. And the player who's being removed is someone who did something in real life. So... Um, do, do we think that, that, that players should be removed from games for committing crimes and, and where do we draw the line? Is it assault? Is it actually, you know what? Let's not even get into that. That's, that's too deep of an issue. Your thoughts on him being removed are, are somewhat ambivalent in in the end. I'm somewhat ambivalent precisely because, uh, if what you say is accurate and I'm not a sports ball game expert, merely a sports ball theory expert, and uh, and uh, I mean, if they do that much updating, if it doesn't really truly serve as a sort of snapshot of game of the gaming or uh, sorry of the sports scene, like something like NBA Jam would have done back in the day, then I don't really see it on the same par of the art, you know, of the sort of artwork. I, I would be uh, probably more upset if it were a game that told a story and that the story was cheapened by the change or that the story the narrative was changed by the loss of the person i might be more interested in saying ah let's keep just keep it the way it is because it's a part of what made the game that game what made that game present those ideas but I'm very ambivalent. I I should, however, be up in arms just on principle to try and save the games, censorship, down with this sort of thing. But I, I just I just can't feel it for this one. Okay, no, I'm with you, uh, and you know I agree. I mean, uh, what the guy did is absolutely unacceptable based on what the video showed. Um, I mean, there's consequences to our actions, right? And, and so when you do something like this, I don't think that he is surprised, but no one can be surprised that this is the consequence. So that's that new story. Let's keep things moving along. There's a lot of stuff to talk about today. Um, you know, it's Does funny, anything Mac, you want to talk you, about have to do with canvas bags by chance? Uh, I know about that, but we're not going to. But if you want to bring that up, we can. No, 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 no. You carry yeah. on. Okay, let's keep it moving then. Uh, it's funny, Mac, how once you start recording a podcast, everyone everyone wants to text you. I don't know if you've ever had that happen. I um, absolutely have. My phone is blowing up. It, it drives me crazy. You know, I'm like sitting here trying to trying to do work right now. Um, okay, so next news story. And this deals with a game that I'm very excited for, The Last of Us 2. This is on GameSpot.com. It says, The Game Awards have become known for big announcements and trailers, but some studios have felt the need to set expectations by coming forward and pointing out that they won't be among them. 
Naughty Dog has joined in and stated that The Last of Us 2 won't be among the games shown on stage at the awards. In a tweet, the studio said it's looking forward to celebrating games at the show, but won't be there to show its own game. It also said it looks forward to revealing more, quote, when the time is right. The Game Awards appeared to be the next likeliest place for the anticipated sequel to make an appearance after Sony opted out of a PlayStation experience this year. At the time, the company acknowledged that the timing just wasn't right for such an event. So far, we have not heard a release date for The Last of Us 2, so it could be a year or more away. Um, and it goes on to say, we already know the Game Awards will host 10 new game announcements, including one from Obsidian Entertainment. Uh, Mac, here's my thing, man. Mm-hmm. Sony knows how big The Last of Us 2 is going to be. Yes. They know how how hotly or how highly anticipated it is. They've shown a lot of it. I, first of all, I'll say I think it's smart that they're taking a step back and not showing too much more of it before it's actually time for a release date trailer. But here's my theory. Sony has opted out of E3 next year in 2019. Sony did not do a PlayStation experience this year. Sony has come out and said that they are not going to be at the game awards or rather that the last of us two is not going to be at the game awards so they've pretty much missed out intentionally on multiple opportunities where they would have shown more of this game i believe that when they make their their e3 announcements and when i say that i mean since they're skipping e3 when they do their own presentation or live stream or whatever it is to make up for them not being at e3 i believe that they're going to save the release date for the last of us two I think that's a pretty solid thing. The only other thing they might do is they might have somebody else walk up and say, what was it, two ninety nine, and then walk off stage? <laughs> that could happen. You know, that, they could even do something where they say, here's how you share your, your games on PlayStation, and here's how you yeah. share them on Xbox. They, you know, Sony has a great sense of humor, and, and I think that it'll be, what, I don't know, two years from the first time that they announced The Last of Us 2 by the time we get to E3 2019. Um, I, I think the last of us part two is going to come out end of this, this cycle, uh, on PlayStation four and then get remastered on PlayStation five. So I'm excited. That means that maybe this summer we find out when it's going to come out. And so that's, that's some news right there. Some speculation rather. Okay. Keeping things moving along and you know, we're running long, Mac. We have, we had too much good banter this week. You having all these exciting stories to share. Um, all right. So Let's talk about let's talk about Halo. Mac, have you heard that there there's a Halo TV show in the works? I had heard something to that extent. Okay, so I'm not going to read this whole whole story, but the gist of it is that the Halo director leaves the show. Um, all I want to know from you, Mac, is do you want a Halo TV show? Is that not something in the that slightest? Even- not even a little bit. I mean, I feel like Halo, especially toward the later bits of the Halo franchise, uh, the story started to be something that I wasn't really uh, compelled by, not like in the first couple of, uh, of Halo games. Um, so, I mean, I just don't really have the sort of uh, desire to hear more about the backstory, more of the mythology, more of the stuff surrounding Halo. I'm I'm fine without a Halo television show, but but yet here we are. Yeah, no, I get it. Um, so, if I see a Halo TV show, and my phone is blowing up, um, if I get a Halo TV show, all I'll be able to think about is red versus blue. Mm-hmm. Now, I-, I do want to take a quick diversion and mention to those of you that Mr. Nice Guy very often uses his computer for the live streaming and such and pulls up his news stories on his phone, which is why the phone blowing up is such a big deal. Just some context for you. Yeah, so as I'm sitting here trying to read these stories and I'm, I'm having brain farts, it's in part because I'm getting all these texts about other stuff. So... Uh, yeah, if, if the Halo show is meant to be funny, I mean, rather meant to be serious, I'll constantly be looking at the characters and thinking, oh, this should be humorous, because I'll be thinking about the times I've watched Red vs. Blue, which if you have not checked that out, you should. Uh, it's a fantastic uh, little show. It's some uh, good, solid, early internet humor. S- some good, solid, early internet humor. A couple news stories just to kind of tell what happened rather than reading the whole thing. Uh, there was a rumor on the internet this week that Skyward Sword was going to be remastered for Switch. Nintendo shut that down. Um, it says Zelda series, and this is on uh, Eurogamer. It says Zelda series boss Eiji Anuma set tongues wagging when he mentioned the idea to fans during a concert 
of Zelda music in Japan. It sparked excitement for a potential re-release and the prospect of fixes for a game whose motion control scheme divided the Zelda community. There's a quote here that says, At this time, we have no plans to release The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword on, on Nintendo Switch, a Nintendo spokesperson told Eurogamer today. So that's not going to happen, at least not at this time. Uh, and the last news story is just the Game Awards, Mac. Now, I'm just going to talk about the Game of the Year nominees quickly. And even though there's a lot of them that we have not played, just based on the hype, based on the news that we've read, I kind of want to get your thoughts on who you think will win. Is that cool? Absolutely. Okay, so we're just going to talk about this one category, Game of the Year. Here are the nominees. If you're here live, let us know in the chat who you think is going to win and who you want to win. Uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Celeste, God of War, Marvel's Spider-Man, Monster Hunter World, and Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, Mac, who you got, man? Uh, Celeste is what I most want to win game of the year. That's what you want? Okay. Yep. Okay. Uh, Celeste, a fantastic game. One of the best games I've played this year. I would love for Celeste to win. Um, I don't, I just don't think that an indie title with, with less replayability than a massive title like Red Dead Redemption 2 can win but here's the thing red dead redemption 2 is effectively an incomplete game at this point um it's the most hyped game of the year one of the most hyped games of the year one of the largest games of the year one of the most beautiful games of the year but the online component is not released fully yet so i don't know how it could win unless they're really just judging it based on the single player game that said i think red dead redemption 2 is going to win um, and I think all of these games are fantastic. I haven't played every single one of them, but from what I've read and, and different hype, I think they're all fantastic, but I think Red Dead Redemption 2 will win. Uh, and that is it for our gaming news, Mac. Over to you, buddy. All right. Well, we're going to keep things short and sweet with gaming history today. So as we look into the past, some very big contributions came out this week in years that went came before. And I'm going to just hit two of them. Uh, we'll start with the release of Zelda II, The Adventure of Link, in 1988 for the Nintendo Entertainment System, at least released here in North America. It was the first game, uh, at least I'm pretty sure on this, the first game to actually have a battery save on the cartridge itself rather than, you know, some save some other way, whether you're talking passwords or point systems and so on. But this, this, a save file, this is huge. I mean, previous to this, you had high scores to deal with, and if the game was built particularly well, maybe you had a password. Like, for example, we, you know, Metroid, look at a classic example of password stuff. But, uh, but yeah, having an actual save file required a battery. Now, that means that if you do still happen to have one of those beautiful gold cartridge uh, Zelda 2s, and uh, you want to fire it up, uh, you probably need to change that battery. And it's okay, it's relatively simple to do as long as you've got the Nintendo bit, which is, uh, you know, which is just a sort of specialized bit there for the back. But, uh, but yeah, it does mean, of course, that your cartridge needs to be upkept and have the battery replaced every so often. But, uh, but I mean, it, it was insane when it happened. People freaked out about it. It was like, hey, that's, that's still my game that's my character that's my save um now obviously saving and even auto saving and such is pretty ubiquitous these days but uh, but it all kind of started at least for consoles back then with zelda 2 um one other one that uh, is notable not so much because it has you know nostalgia for me uh but just because I mean, you'd be a fool not to mention it. Is the release of Super Smash Brothers Melee for GameCube in two thousand and one? Wait, what, what, is... what? What game was that? Super Smash Brothers Melee. It's um, it's it's actually pronounced melee. Melee. Yes, sir. But 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 M E L E. There's there's E's in it. E. Right, but Mac. I think that you uh -huh. know you're. I think you know you're mispronouncing the game. What? 
I see what I you're would doing never and I do respect that. it. Let's take a quick walk down memory lane here. When and 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 talk with me here. When have I ever purposely mispronounced something? Robot. Robot? How dare you, sir? It's pronounced I stand by robot. It is pronounced first, robot. The first proper usages of you know what we cannot do this we have a podcast to do we'll do this so later this super we'll, we'll settle this Brothers, argument later however it is said released for the gamecube in 2001 it is still competitively played to this very day now mr nice guy if i am not very much mistaken um you have fond feelings about this you and your brother of course yeah, in fact, uh, I think I've told the story on the podcast before about how for the very, very first PAX ever, Penny Arcade Expo, it was held in my hometown of Bellevue, Washington, and uh, we attended a Super Smash Brothers tournament and had a blast. It's, it's just a fantastic game. Um, it was a really, really great couch co-op game back in the day on the GameCube. Um, the best Super Smash Brothers ever made, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And many people still feel that way and still play it to this day. And for that reason, it definitely deserves a mention here in gaming history. And that's what I had today for gaming history. Mr. Nice Guy, over to you, sir. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time for the topic of the week, a segment of the show where we talk about something that is relevant in gaming today and give you our opinion on it. Now, this one is really fascinating. And, you know, it deals with the concept of there being different types of monopolies in gaming. So, Mac, you've probably already heard about this story, uh, but I'm going to read about it for the people who may not have. This is on GameInformer.com. It says, Epic Games, developer of titles like Fortnite, the first Gears of War trilogy, and Unreal Tournament, has announced the creation of a new digital PC store that hopes to compete with Steam by offering an unprecedented revenue split for developers. The Epic Games Store is launching as a full-fledged game marketplace supporting all sorts of titles. The Fortnite developer hopes to incentivize developers to come over to the Epic Games Store by pushing the revenue split for software further than any platform holder has before, giving developers 88% of revenues while keeping 12% for overhead. This is a big change considering the traditional industry standard for digital revenue split usually gives 30% to the store owner, whether it be Sony, Nintendo, Microsoft, Apple, Android, or Valve. Perhaps anticipating this move, Valve recently made adjustments to Steam's revenue model, but only above certain thresholds that most games wouldn't hit. Quote, as a developer ourselves, we have always wanted a platform with great economics that connects us directly with our players, Epic Games founder CEO Tim Sweeney said in a press statement. Thanks to the success of Fortnite, we now have this, and we are ready to share it with other developers. Um, Mac, what do you think, man? Is this is this game's shop game store potentially going to be a steam killer well let me open by saying that competition i feel is good in almost every sphere and this is one area in which i'm delighted to see the uh you know some new people uh entering that market now of course we do have some of those stores like there's a windows store where you can buy windows for games there's uh let's see ubisoft has their own sort of portal thing and uh yeah twitch has one and of course discord has a shop on their thing um but this one is likely epic with its large amount of capital from the success of Fortnite is likely to be the first ones to be able to uh, really challenge Steam, I think. And um, I feel like that's a good thing. I like that they're focusing on, you know, uh, on stuff like uh, like big shares for developers because especially smaller developers always have it kind of rough. Now, there are a few reservations that I have with it. Um, and one of the things that I have as a sort of reservation is that uh, is what sort of DRM we will see come with that. Now, of course, we know that most everything that you get through Steam uh, has DRM set up in such a way that you use the Steam DRM. So if you can't connect to the Steam store, you have that you know persistent online authentication. And sometimes there's even an additional level of DRM for certain games. Uh, I'm very curious to see what it is that the Epic's launcher, I guess we're going to call it, the Epic's store, what have you. I'm curious to see how they're going to work their DRM side of things 
and that might influence me as to whether or not I purchase a few games for it. Um, it's super easy for me to, say, buy a game from goodoldgames.com, even if I could buy it on Steam as well, because those have no DRM that comes with them. So I know that if I'm, you know, it, I actually have a separate folder. It's called Offline. And when I don't have any internet and I'm on my PC... That's the folder I go to to play the games that are going to work when I don't have an internet connection. And living in the sticks as I do currently, that happens more often than uh, I would care to admit. But uh, but point being is is I think uh, I think it does have a good chance of challenging Steam um, as to whether or not I'm going to purchase from them is going well a little bit of a wait and see because what they choose to do with DRM is probably going to influence whether or not I buy anything from their store. So do you think that that big titles, major titles, um, like let's use I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, let's say Call of Duty, let's say PUBG, let's say games like that that have an online multiplayer component. Do you think that they will have their software posted on both Steam and on this new Epic Games Store? Maybe, probably. I, I guess it confuses me because, well, on the one hand, it makes sense to have it on Steam because Steam is, you know, was here first. They're the big dogs in the business. Um, to also have it posted somewhere else. It just seems kind of contradictory. And people already have gotten so familiar with the Steam interface. And plus, as gamers, we like to level up. You know, as you get different achievements on Steam, it levels you up. It tracks your gameplay hours. It tracks all kinds of cool stuff. Um, I feel like anyone with a Steam account that is well-established on that platform is not going to purchase games on another platform. So to me, I mean, it could only help the developer to put their game over there because it's more revenue. Um, But I, I just don't know you know, why both of these are needed, if that makes sense. Um, I, w- once again, it's kind of like how I have a lot of achievements on Xbox. So I like to play on Xbox when I'm going for achievements more than I like to play on PlayStation, simply because I was on 360 before I was on, on PS4. So I don't know. It's just, it's kind of a, a confusing thing to me. Maybe some people don't care about that. Maybe, you know, Epic will really dominate and I'm wrong, but I think that most people are just going to stick with Steam regardless of the revenue split. Yeah, I'm, I'm very curious to see how this turns out, but I'm afraid that my predictive powers are at an all-time low on this subject. That's okay. It's going to be interesting. Like you said, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. So that has been our topic of the week. Mac, back over to you. All right. Well, as you know, we like to take a look at some uh, some games that are, uh, shall we say, struggling for money. <laughs> really, what it is is they are seeking funding on crowdfunding sites like uh, Kickstarter, and uh, this particular one is called Tail. The role-playing game. This one, in a little bit of a change, is not actually a video game, but rather it is a tabletop RPG. So, uh, as mentioned, when we were sharing our experiences, I do like tabletop RPGs. I've played plenty of them and for years. Uh, But this one, I think... Well, I really want to kind of break down what I think is really important about this thing. So... It's a easy-to-learn fantasy tabletop role-playing game. It says that it focuses on compelling storytelling and epic quests. They're looking for around six thousand five hundred bucks U.S. dollars. Uh, I believe it's also in uh, in some other currency as well um, to fund it. Uh, if you're interested in getting a copy of the core rulebook as an ebook and uh, some you know basic adventures, it's twelve U.S. dollars to buy in. Um, you can even go up all the way. I think the biggest backing level is like just shy of $300 where you get all the digital rewards. You get three core rule books in paperback. You get these various quest packs that they're going to build, some dice sets, t-shirt, and all the various stretch goals that they have. So here is what uh, what I want to point out about this game. They've got some stretch goals at, you know, 10,000, 20,000, 30,000, 40,000 US dollars. This is still got 30 days left to go. It's already like 25% of the way there. I mean, it's probably going to get the rest of the way, you know, to its goal. But there are some things about this Kickstarter that really bother me. 
And one of them is that it falls into that telling rather than showing way. And I'm not just talking about like putting uh, a demonstration or having a Kickstarter video that that shows me what the game's going to be about. Um, All that this Kickstarter thing does is tell me that it does this, that, or the other, but no actual examples of how it's going to do that. Um, It says that it's, you know, they're going to be these three-dimensional characters, but I have no real good example of a three-dimensional character that they've created with it. They say there's going to be these story structures, these epic quests, but I've got no examples. I can't see the vision. Um, They give some examples of various class systems. There isn't even, at least as far as I'm aware, a mention of the mechanics of how the game work itself. Like, uh, for example, if you know Dungeons & Dragons, that's a D20 system. You're going to roll a D20 for most of your skill checks, and then there's going to be damage, which is going to be determined on blah, 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 blah. Um, In this, I have absolutely no idea how this works. It says it is, you know, it, it says it focuses on storytelling, but how? With something like GURPS, Generic Universal Role-Playing System, they incentivized uh, role-playing in their system by building role-play, by building your rewards for role-playing into the level-up system. Essentially, and that's a simplistic way to look at it, but essentially, unless you play your character in that tabletop RPG, unless you play it true to your character as written, you do not level up when you complete things. That is what better way to encourage someone to role play than to build it into the advancement. Um, You know, and so this, for example, it says, yes, it's going to be like this. It's going to be like that. And then I get nothing. So um, (laughs) I feel like I'm doing both our jobs and tearing, tearing it to pieces. Mr. Nice Guy, is there any pieces you want to tear out of this? Well, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head and I could tell this within the first 30 seconds of scanning it. And I did not see this Kickstarter until you sent me the link during the show live, which is how we do things. Everybody um, intentionally. It's very, very, very bland. Um, I know nothing about this other than the fact that it's a tabletop game. It doesn't show any pictures of what the pieces will look like. Uh, it doesn't show what the board will look like. I mean, I, I literally know nothing about this. And uh, and so, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. I, I don't know anything about this other than what you said. Yeah, and this is part of the problem, even for someone, and, and Mr. Nice Guy doesn't tabletop anywhere near as me, but, uh, but uh, for someone who's got a weather eye, a seasoned eye for tabletop games, um, I mean everything about this just has big red flags. This is going to turn out, in all likelihood, based on this, this will turn out to be very bland, very uninteresting, very run-of-the-mill. There are, I I believe, in the tabletop market, uh, I think it's four um, role-playing systems that account for, like, 80% of all role-playing games played. Um... And those four different systems have various, you know, pluses, minuses, and things. Um, And then there are, I want to say something like over uh, 2,000 much smaller tabletop RPGs that make up the remaining, you know, 20% or or what have you. And it's one of those things where I think this is doomed to be just a minute part of things, precisely because... I, I. I don't think there's anything that makes it stand out. And it's all fine and good to say you're going to focus on compelling storytelling and epic quests, but I don't even get a compelling story in the reason why I should back it. I mean, it's a easy thing for 12 bucks. I mean, that's not a big risk, but still, I just... I wish this. I wish these guys all the best. I hope. I hope that success, and I hope they prove me wrong. But I just see nothing here to interest me. Now, Mac, I have to ask you in a tongue-in-cheek way. Yes. I know that there's one rule that you have when it comes to Kickstarters. <laughs> yes, indeed. And that one rule is that there is a playable demo. And unfortunately, this does not have a playable demo. Although that same thing could be applied to this tabletop role-playing Kickstarter. Give me some minis that I can print out. Give me some things that I can print off and try an adventure. Um, and see how it works. Uh, g- give me something 
to give a shot. Even if it's just really, really simple rules and really simple setting, at least something to get a feel of whether or not I would like it. Yeah, so, I'm with you. Yeah. So, I mean, my vote is clear. I don't know enough about this. The, the thing about tabletop games is it's really amazing to me that they still exist, not because they aren't awesome, but because there are digital tabletop games. So you can actually play them over the internet, which it's almost contradictory, but it's a convenience thing. And so to me, if you're going to make a traditional tabletop game in 2018, 2019 and and beyond, you've got to show the people what it's going to be like, um, you know, to suck them in. And so for me, this really is I've got to vote and just say this needs to be kicked. Oh, yeah, definitely kick it out of here. Um, I'm not going to drop $12 on this and and. I think, I think, yeah, the reason is clear. We need more to go on than just promises, especially when you're adding. And one of our viewers, Rolf, did uh, did just chime in by saying that uh, according to uh, a German roleplay index, 2,489 tabletop RPGs, um, according to at least one uh, index that he has access to. So, uh, so yeah, definitely kick it. There are so many fish in the sea, and many of them lack what it takes. And this definitely looks like it's going to lack what is needed. So yeah, but that was our kick or kickstart for today. Fan-freaking-tastic. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time for the main event. It's time for a segment of the show we like to call the Dummy of the Week. Week, week, week. A segment of the show where we talk about someone who did something stupid, idiotic, or downright dumb and make fun of them. Now, Mac, there were a couple, as I was Googling today, there were a couple um, crazy stories that have happened in the news as far as people, you know, making bad decisions. Some of them were just like, quite frankly, too graphic. And we try to keep this show fairly lighthearted. So this week's Dummy of the Week isn't really even that uh, crazy, but it was because I was avoiding some of the other really, really strange things that were happening um, that would have fallen into this category. So so if this dummy isn't dummy enough for you, it's just to know that we had to dumb it down a bit to keep the dummy from being too dumb. That's exactly right, from being too much of a, a, a sick person. So... Um, this comes from VAGazette.com. It says, A James County man has been charged after police say he stole his roommate's video game system. Alexander Clark Durant, 26, has been charged with grand larceny and obtaining money by false pretenses, according to Williamsburg Police Department spokesman Greg Riley. On November 13th, a man approached a patrolling Williamsburg police officer and told him his video game system had been stolen, Riley said. I wonder how police respond when someone says that. You know, when someone just comes up and says, hey, someone stole my my Xbox. You know, I wonder if they're just like, ah, these nerds. We have real <laughs> problems to deal with. That's probably what they think. Um, unless they're a gamer, too. I have a neighbor who's an officer, and he's, he's a gamer as well. Uh, the investigating officer later determined Durant, the man's roommate, as a suspect in the theft, according to Riley. The officer obtained arrest warrants for Durant on December 3rd, Riley said. The warrants remain outstanding as of 9.05 a.m. on December 4th. In another case, Durant was charged in October after his roommate at a residence in James County told police that Durant had stolen firearms from him, according to filings in Williamsburg, James City County General District Court. In that case, Durant was charged with three felony counts of grand larceny of a firearm, two felony counts of larceny of more than $500 with intent to sell, one felony count of breaking and entering with intent to commit larceny, and one misdemeanor count of petty larceny. This is crazy. Durant stole a total of five firearms and one laptop this guy has a history of stealing from roommates so i mean here's the thing on the one hand don't steal from your roommates on the other hand know who you're living with you know what i mean if if you know that your roommate has a history of stealing and then something of yours is stolen don't act surprised you know know who did it immediately it shouldn't take from november 13th to december 4th for you to figure that out also how do you steal a video game console from your roommate did he just like walk to his roommate's room, steal it, and then take walk it back to his room and hook it up? I mean, that's crazy. Now, maybe he was trying to sell it for cash, but regardless, um, there's, there's got to be a better way to figure this out. So, Mac, I'm not even going to read the rest of the story. Um, just know who you're living with, kids. That's my, my opinion. Mac, do you have any comments on this? If not, it's totally cool. Not totally a dummy. That is our dummy of the week. Mac, back to you, Mac. 
All right. Well, as you guys know, the last uh, official segment of the show uh, we like to do is uh, a, a point where I wax sort of uh, philosophical as a totally as a as a TV lawyer in a bit that we call legalese. Legalese. So, uh, Mr. Nice Guy, there were a couple of different things that we could go for on this. There is at least, uh, there are one or two, but I I think because of the nature of our, you know, of our viewer base and our listeners, um, I think I'm going to focus this week on the one that we will find more interesting, and that is the uh, proposed Fallout 76 lawsuit. So, Ooh, I'm excited. um, As you guys know, there is a certain expectation that you as a consumer have when you purchase a product. Um, Often you want that product to work. Um, And uh, I've mentioned, of course, in the past that I'm probably a little bit of a rebel because I personally think that if I buy a game, I want to be able to play it 20, 25 years down the road. Um, which uh, which puts DRM and I kind of at at, at odds because that never seems to pan out. Uh, but you, I think, no matter who you are, it would be reasonable to assume that if you bought something, it should work on say opening weekend or even opening day. Now that seems to be true less and less often, as we have games like Fallout seventy six that are released with enormous patches um and it is for this reason that there is a law firm out of uh dc out of uh washington dc uh called migalasio and rathod um and they are uh they're uh calling for people to um you know to join a class action they're looking into it, uh, a class action for what they call deceptive trade practices. And uh, I'm just going to read a little bit from their thing before I, you know, opine. So uh, we're in currently investigating Bethesda Game Studios for releasing a heavily glitched game, Fallout 76, and refusing to issue refunds for PC purchasers of the game who found it to be unplayable because of its technical problems. Um, while minor bugs and glitches are expected, Fallout 76 launched with a 56 gigabyte patch that's proven to be just a starting point for the problems. Um, So, uh, it goes on for a bit. And and what's sort of at issue here is that people who were not pleased with the game tried to get refunds. And uh, and, um, uh, allegedly, uh, the first few people, or the first a group of people who applied for refunds were given it and then everybody later on was denied and they even sent out an email telling people that they would not be issuing refunds for the game and uh, that might make you think that well mac this is a simple question i mean obviously you're entitled to a refund which is which is actually where this story gets kind of interesting because believe it or not, uh, refunds are not uh, assured, at least not in the United States. Um, of the states uh, where I could track down the laws that they had regarding refunds, the majority of states, and by this I mean 36 of the 50 states, have the following wording on basically what their rules are for, uh, for um, refunds. Uh, quote, there's no right, well, I mean, this is, this is a paraphrasing in, in, in general, but there's no right to can, there's no right to cancel contracts or purchase agreements. And basically, whether or not you can receive a refund is dependent on the retailer's return and refund policies. Um, so 36 out of 50 states, that's, that's pretty, you know, that's, uh, what, 60, 70, you know, uh, 74%. So nearly three quarters of the United States, you know, there's very little recourse for, for a refund, at least legally. Um, now there are plenty of states like, for example, California, where, uh, where you by default have the right for a refund. However, if there's not going to be a refund, it's the business's responsibility to have that, like, in big old block letters in their offices type of thing. There's one I think it's like, it needs to be posted at the door type of thing, which is which is kind of interesting. But in general, 
um, in the United States at least, there's no right that you have to a refund, which is definitely kind of sobering. I, I did not know that before I started doing a little bit of research for today's legalese. Um, now, while there are a lot of factors at play here, um, there's the question of what jurisdiction do you do this in? Um, obviously, the people who are in D.C. think that they've got a good uh, that they've got a good way to go ahead and make a you know and make a case from the District of Columbia. So maybe they've got uh, some you know maybe they know something I don't. Of course, they probably do because they're real lawyers, and I just play one on TV. But uh, but yeah, it, it's definitely uh, definitely interesting. The whole um, Fallout seventy six situation is unique. Hmm. Um, oh, there there haven't been there haven't been many times where a game comes out you know the week before Black Friday and gets such a significant discount. Um, Red Dead Redemption that didn't happen with um, Fallout seventy six came out I believe like the eleventh or something like that. Black Friday was like a week and a half after that, and it was already down to $35. So so it sounds to me like you're making an argument that Bethesda, in their practice of discounting the game on Black Friday, knew that they had a train wreck on their hands. Well, I don't know if they knew before the game came out, because there's so many things that are hard to tell until a game really comes out, as far as how it will be received, right? But I, I mean, I think they knew it was not their best work. They're, they're smart people at Bethesda, and they're beloved. Mm-hmm. So they know when a game is good, and they know when a game is not good. Um, their games are notoriously buggy, and people kind of let it slide because their games are so massive and so big. That's the same thing. Um, but but because their games are so massive and there's so much content, people kind of say, ah, you know, it's impossible to make a game like this completely polished. Um, but the reality is, is that they took a franchise that was beloved in Fallout and then they made it multiplayer and didn't really have a story. And part of the appeal of Fallout is the story. It's the non-playable characters, the NPCs. Uh, this game doesn't have any of that. And plus, it's super buggy as well. So I get people asking for a refund, but I also think it's kind of the risk that you take when you buy a game at launch. Um, when you buy any product at launch, right, Mac? If you buy the new iPhone mm-hmm. and it's buggy day one and then they patch it, you don't get to ask for the iPhone you know, for a refund for the iPhone, that's just, you know, it's the risk of being an early adopter. So I don't agree with this whole idea of expecting a refund, but I get the frustration. Mm-hmm. And I mean, who knows where it's going to land as far as a class action suit? Maybe it'll go forward. Maybe it won't. I mean, you know, so every state has kind of its own different, uh, uh, different terms on whether or not you're even entitled to one, which is precisely what makes this, uh, uh, why I wanted to share this one is mostly for that discovery. You might think you are entitled to a refund because many of us do think we are, but by law, not so much. And who knows, maybe they'll feel the pressure. After all, there is that uh, that canvas bag. Uh, Bethesda launched Fallout 76, and in the promotional materials, there was a canvas bag um, for this $200, you know, special edition copy of the game. Even on their Amazon listing, it listed as a canvas bag. And then when people got it, it was a bag that was made of nylon. And uh, some people felt slighted. And the f- initial response was, pe- was people at Bethesda were like, well, you know, it would have been... Uh, it would have been cost prohibitive for us to do it. So nylon you get, we're not doing anything with the ca- with a canvas bag. And a lot of people were up in arms about it, and they said, okay, fine, we'll give you your canvas bag. Um, so who knows, maybe just the murmurings of doing a class action will make this whole uh, refund thing sort itself. But, uh, but we'll just have to wait and see. Although, the legal nugget of information to take away from this is that refunds, depending upon where you live, might be a luxury, depending upon the kindness of strangers. So that's a little bit of legalese. Fan-freaking-tastic. Dude, this has been a fun episode. I don't know what's been so fun about it. Maybe it's that I'm getting old and I fell asleep right before I did, we did this episode. You got so a I nap feel very in. well rested. Um, what's that? You got a nap in. I got a nap in, so I, I came with the energy today. I was I was refreshed. Um, but yeah, no, this was this was a lot of fun, um, and we're gonna keep it going every week. Be here Tuesday, same bad place. Uh, but anyway, Mac, that has been our show. We have one more segment we like to do, as you know, before we go. Uh, it's called "What We've Been Watching and What We've Been Playing," where we talk about just that, what we've been watching, and wait for it, wait for it, the games we've been playing. 
it's an interactive uh, segment, so those of you who are here live, please let us know in the chat the stuff you've been watching and what you have been playing as well. Mac, do you want to lead off today? Absolutely. So as for watching and playing, I have been uh, a little remiss in both of those respects, but I do have some things to offer. For example, New DuckTales is still as excellent and awesome as ever. Um, uh, let's see, we do have, uh, let's see, so, what else have I been watching? Um, oh, Mrs. The Mac and I recently finished the last season of Community, and Community really struggled at the end there. It kind of lost everything that made it good. I could go into more, but uh, we'd need to have a completely different episode, a completely different podcast in order to go over that. Uh, but let's see, what other things do we have going? Um, oh, uh, for playing, I had I had been playing a bit of Mega Man 11 and a bit of Chasm. And uh, as it turns out, I do love Mega Man 11. Just throwing that out there. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Mr. Nice Guy, how about you? What have you been watching and what have you been playing? So the main game that I want to talk about is a game that I just finished uh, called The Messenger. And... It's it's one of those games that it's an indie, first of all. It's beloved on the internet. Um, you know me. You know I like to get a deal on a game, especially a downloadable game. And so I waited till it was on sale. It was on sale as part of the Switch game, and uh, or rather the Switch Black Friday sale, eShop sale. And so I picked it up. Uh, it was normally 20 bucks. got it for 14 And I had read so much stuff about it on the internet that I was ex- expecting, you know, game of the year caliber material. Um, it's basically, if I could ex- describe it, it's like a Ninja Gaiden Metroidvania. Hmm. Um, it was good. It was not great, Mac. And I, I feel like it's a prime example of the internet overhyping things. Uh, to use a quick analogy, when I was in college, an In-N-Out opened in the town where I was going to college. And I had never had an In-N-Out burger before. A lot of the kids I was going to school with were from California, and they had grown up on In-N-Out, and it was like comfort food to them. It was like a tradition. It was a part of their inner being. And so they told me that In-N-Out was going to be the best experience of my life. So when I went to go eat In-N-Out, I was very excited. In-N-Out burgers are very, very inexpensive as well, so I was doubly excited. I was like, wow, what a great deal for the best burger that I'm ever going to eat. I got my burger. I got my fries. And... uh it was a burger, Mac. It was just a hamburger. And I like In-N-Out. Blasphemy. Well, no, I like In-N-Out. In fact, I'm pretty sure that we picked up In-N-Out, you and I, on a road trip one time. Um, we did. Back from E3. That's right, dude. And I like In-N-Out, but it's not the best bur- Five Guys is better than In-N-Out. I'm sorry, Californians. I'm just stating facts. Bottom line, In-N-Out was hyped up too much for me, and it disappointed me because of it. The Messenger was overhyped by the internet and by Reddit and by every podcast that I listened to. And so when I played through it, I was disappointed. Good game, but not great. Uh, What else have I been playing? Now that I'm done with The Messenger, I've also been playing Dead Cells. Uh, And I I texted you, actually, Mac, and I said, I'm disappointed in both of these. I will say that I spoke too soon on Dead Cells. Uh, It actually has a lot more depth than I thought it was going to, and I'm actually thoroughly enjoying it even though you know it takes forever to actually level stuff up and actually beat the game and you start over at the beginning every time you die. But it's it's a fantastic game. There's a lot of weapons. There's a lot of upgrades. There's a lot of stuff to do. Um, I haven't had that much time to dive into it because I've been so busy with other things. But um, I take my Switch sometimes with me to work, and then I play it on my break outside of the office. So I'll get some more of that in tomorrow. And as far as what I've been watching, uh, I've been watching a lot of YouTube stuff, man. I've been watching some SNL sketches. Um... All, all kinds of just funny stuff on the internet, you know, just random stuff. But watching reviews of the Tesla on uh, on YouTube, just kind of random, throw that in there. You've been watching reviews of an electric car Yeah, what are your the thoughts? Internet. This is off topic. What are your thoughts on Tesla? No, I don't have so much thoughts on Tesla as much as I have thoughts of how, of how I'm like, you've been watching car reviews. In my opinion, car review, uh, that type of thing is something that you just couldn't watch a review about you'd have to actually feel it you know what i mean no you're right you'd, you'd test drive it right but it, you can be learn like, like food reviews if somebody was reviewing like frozen pizza or something it's I'd funny because like, i watch a lot of like because i like to smoke meat right i like to barbecue uh and so anytime i'm watching it like a recipe like a malcolm reed or a big mo Kaysen 
uh, or a, a rec tech barbecue uh, video, the person who's doing the video, after they're done making the food, they're always like, now it's time to taste it. And they'll take a bite and they'll be like, mm, that's fantastic. And I'm sitting there like, well, I guess I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Because it could be terrible, but of course they're going to act like it tastes good. So I get your point. You have to see some things in person. But nonetheless, I mean, hey, I should not be casting stones. I'm sure my YouTube viewing practices are, you know, are a total glass house. That's but, all good, uh, man. But it is interesting. Yeah, so I've been on YouTube. Uh, I can't even think of what TV shows I've watched lately because I've been so busy, busy with other stuff. Lots of Christmas movies, Mac. It's that time of year. Uh, and that's it for me. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I, I will say we got started a little bit late, and we're coming up on time, and I actually have some place I have to run off to. So I, I apologize to everybody. Normally this is where we'd read what other people have been watching and playing, but I think we'll just uh, uh, we'll just have to have to cut it here. Sorry, everybody, but next time, save it for next time. Sounds good. Well, everybody, thanks for tuning into the podcast. Uh, this has been episode 83 of Two Nerds in a Pod, the nerdiest gaming podcast in the galaxy we'll be back here next week same bat place same bat time same bat rhymes keep it nerdy deuces